0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Chad PV Show. Boy, howdy, do I have one for you today. In this episode, I interview Chad Woodard and Alyssa Turner. These are a couple of folks from my mastermind. So I, I mentioned to you that we're doing a series right now of mastermind interviews. And so when I went to Sundance, I took my podcast equipment, set it up and just started grabbing folks and said, Hey, come, come tell my audience about your work and your story. And so Chad and Alyssa, uh, I roped them into it and they did just that. Now, a little disclaimer about today's episode. As you know, I cuss like a sailor, Uh, but I'm not giving you a warning for that today as much as I am the content of today's episode. This one is not for the faint of heart you are going to feel all the feels in this episode. And so if you've got the kids in the car or if you're just not in a place where you can feel all the feels today, I recommend that you put this one off because Chad and Alyssa talk about things that go deep uh, some traumatic events. And I just want to prepare you for that. A uh, great, great episode, great folks, great stories. You're really going to enjoy it. I just want to make sure you're in a place where you can, where you can handle all the fields uh, for this episode. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get to it. Melissa and Chad, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Um, a beautiful setting. If you guys are hearing all the background noise, that's because we're at an event in Sundance, wherever Utah, Utah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, somewhere. There.
0: It's beautiful. Everyone's partying. We're at the end of a mastermind event. I met you two guys. Uh, we we've met on the mastermind Zoom, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and then you and I met a couple of days ago, yep. and I'm super interested in your stories because you um, you are. I guess I don't want to say coping or dealing, but you're you're trying to Overcoming. figure out. Yeah, trying to figure Overcoming. out. Like we have stories that are kind of sad. Um, I don't want to be known as the sad speaker. <laughs> <laughs> they so chat, so everyone yeah. will cry. You know, that's not what I'm going for. But the story has to be told, right? So I would I would love to just hear. If you want to share your stories, I'm sure my audience would love to hear the story. But then also, like, how do you go into a space where you're trying to help other people, but you don't want them to cry all the time? (laughs) Is this making sense at all? It is.
2: It's a really hard question, though, because I have not figured it out. I am really good at getting people to feel sorry for me, that I can bring the emotion in that that place. Um, So a little bit about my story. Three years ago, my ex-husband started having an affair with my older sister. And... Um, over the course of the year, I stayed. I was pregnant with our youngest, and so I felt like I couldn't leave. And um, that was really, really hard for me to figure out what I should be feeling and how I should be thinking about the whole thing. I wanted to save my marriage at the same time that I was in a lot of pain from betrayal from my sister and my ex-husband. Um, and in the end, I ended up divorcing him because he never wanted to um, reconcile with me. He's still with my sister. And so when I share that story, I get a lot of sympathy and I'm not in that place anymore. I hit rock bottom about two years ago, um, right after my youngest daughter was born, I was in the hospital and I just had hip surgery. And I remember thinking that I didn't, I didn't want to wake up from surgery because that was the easiest answer for me. Like every, everybody else could go on happy if I just wasn't there. And so obviously I woke up. (laughs) And that for me was like a new lease on life. Like, okay, if I'm here and I'm stuck being here, then I might as well make the best of it. And I just completely shifted my mindset to choosing the better way. Um, you know, choosing to be happy and not focus on the negative and choosing to forgive instead of staying bitter and unhappy. But that's a, that's a daily choice that I have to make. And so to, to try to help other people understand that emotion there's not really a high for me yet there, there. you know, I mean, there are days that are good and days that that's easy for me to overcome, um, to overcome that and not give into that darkness and the depression of that. But there's also days that, I mean, I'm extremely lonely and extremely hurt. And yeah.
0: Tell me, um, well, thank you for sharing that and, and the vulnerability it takes to, to do that. What kind of work are you doing now? And does that work revolve around that story?
2: Yeah, it definitely does. Um, I Right now, I am coaching stay-at-home moms um, because I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years before the end of my marriage. And um, I, I just got stuck in this cycle of just... Not feeling fulfilled, just living, doing the daily things. And it was a really lonely, just almost small world that I lived in. And I see so many moms who are stuck there. They've lost themselves in their mothering and they don't remember who they are anymore. And they just are drowning in the monotony of that. And I know that they don't have to get to the point where I got where I just wanted my life to end. I know that they can change that now that they can make those same choices that I do to not give into those, those negative feelings. And that's what I help them help them overcome.
0: That's amazing. And do you tell them your story? Is that part yes, of your... I do
2: share my story.
0: Okay. Yeah. How do you do that in a way? Like what's... Is there a flip side of that? I mean, how do you, how do you inject the hope?
2: Um. I mean, that's a good question. So the hope basically is that no matter what happens to you, you can always choose how to respond to it. And, and that's just it. I mean, that's life. I can't guarantee these women that their lives won't fall apart, but I can assure them and encourage them that no matter what happens, they can go on and be happy. They can choose the better way. They can choose to forgive. They can still choose to love. And that's exactly what I've done. And I do it for my kids mostly. I I want to be the mom that is giving back to my kids because I don't want them to feel stuck the way that I did.
0: that's 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 incredible thanks for sharing that so Chad (laughs) hi (laughs) what is uh just as much as you're willing to share with with everybody what what is your story what is your work now and how do those relate and how do you tell that story
1: yeah sure so I I mean I met Alyssa 24 hours ago actually which is I feel like we've kind of known each other for years but um the I I got roped into the conversation because somebody at dinner uh mentioned to Alyssa oh you looked really intense and kind of sad all day and you weren't smiling and so i i became intrigued. yeah i became intrigued and she's so i have a
2: resting bitch face that's what i said that was my yeah Yeah.
1: exactly and and so so there 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 kind of was this group discussion of how much should you smile and all of that and as i was watching alyssa talk i was like yo but there's there's this really beautiful intensity about how you present yourself and 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 just how you're talking And, and we hadn't i hadn't learned that story at that time and then there was also uh, some discussion of, you know, some like family stuff and father things. And, and, you know, and we very quickly discovered some mutual dad issues and, um, and so she started to tell me her story. And so I started to share mine and, and it ended up being, there was, there was a lot of commonality. And so, so I, I, I can, I can certainly tell that story now or, or your, yeah, your actual question please. was, what do you do? Yeah, right. no, yeah.
0: yeah, sure.
1: So, um, so I, I shared my story of uh, I, I think what what opened us up to it is because like I, I recognized a pain in her without knowing her story. And, and I recognize that because I have a similar pain in me. And so I don't even know how it started. But um, but I, I told my story, which was when I was 16, my father raped me. And that led to like a whole cascade of just awful, self-destructive behaviors that that I I kind of had to adopt because I had to survive. And so I, I figured out a way to survive using numbing and, and addictions and and you know some really dark stuff. And there was a point in my life where I was suicidal and I and I I definitely knew for sure, I, I without any doubt that life and the world would be better without me in it. Right that classic story. Then when I was 19 I got carjacked and I got held at gunpoint. And I found out later that I should have died that day. Like part of the gang initiation for this young man was to carjack somebody, but to shoot them in the chest at close range as he drove off. And so I was I was like just overwhelmed by the the juxtaposition of that that I was sure I wanted to die but when my life was almost taken from me there was a conflict right and and there was something that didn't work. So that set me on this very long journey of I do want to live but I need to figure out why. Yeah. And, and maybe how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was kind of learning everything yeah. right from the beginning uh-huh. because at 16 I like life unraveled. Yeah. So I told that whole story and then I think at that point then Alyssa chimed in and said and and shared her story about her struggles with her father and and i said oh well mine mine has a well you know a sad but a happy ending that my father and i totally reconciled and and i had to forgive him um and that happened whenever he uh, got diagnosed with cancer and he had stage four cancer and so i just had to let it all go right because i i sat down with him and i said like i'm i I'm so tired of being mad at you and for blaming you for everything that is wrong in my life. Right. And so I was like, you're going to die. We're all going to die. But now you have a name for what's going to kill you and a, a, you know, a prediction of the timeline. And so we learned how to just put it all away. And, and I I had to get to that point because whenever you have that terminal diagnosis, you, you know, there's an expiration date. And so I was like, well, if you're going to die, then I, I, I better fucking get to know you. Oh, I hope I can say that on your podcast. You can. Okay. And so, so we started to forge this relationship and it was this amazing thing that he became one of my most trusted teachers because he he transformed. I, 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 cancer was, it killed him, but it was the best thing that ever happened to him because he became this totally different person that was accepting and loving and, and in every sense of the phrase, he figured life out, but it took a death sentence for him to figure it all out. And so, so we shared that. And, and I mean, to this day, I would love to be able to get on the phone and call my dad. Even though there was a time where like I I couldn't imagine speaking to him. But I I just had to let it go because it it wasn't serving him and it surely wasn't serving me to be so angry and resentful to him. And so as I was sharing that story, then then I mean (laughs) Alyssa and I were we were sitting at dinner in this nice restaurant and and we were crying and and we were like holding each other's hands across the table. Other people are talking about god knows what. And they were like, What is going on over there? And we're like, not now. Yeah, not now. Um, so yeah, so we really just connected. But that's that's Kind of the the beginning of my story of of you know dealing with my father and then uh, learning the most ultimate forgiveness that I thought I would never be capable of, um, but but you know and I won't speak for you but um, but I think hearing that story of of overcoming that and then also the family relationship how it was uh, such a betrayal for my father and what had happened, and I think it was a combination of like father stories but then also the family betrayal of a sister who would have done what what had been done and and so so. Anyway, so we just really connected.
2: Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, and, and that hearing his story. <laughs> Where do we story, go? <laughs> well, see, hearing his story gave me so much hope because there is, you know, when your husband cheats on you, there is a roadmap for how to get through it. If it's like his secretary or the woman down the street, yeah. right? That that happens all yeah. the time, but nobody talks about when it, your sister sleeps with your husband. What do you do? Because it ripped my entire family apart, all my, you know, my parents and my other siblings and my grandparents were all choosing sides. And that put me in a, right in the middle of that. And I didn't want that. I, I, the tension and the, you know, that was killing me and hearing his story that, that he actually was able to reconcile with his dad, even after what his dad did to him, like just, it, it literally like gut punched me. And it was actually, I didn't, I don't know that I told you this Chad, but afterwards when we walked home, I was. I I was by myself out in the parking lot and I in the dark and I sat down on this rock and I I couldn't go inside with my brother. I just I literally just like unleashed and I was sobbing because I realized that and I'm not going to be able to do this without crying again. (laughs) um, That that was the answer that I wanted, because for so long I've asked myself, um, not only how do I reconcile with my sister, but do I even want to? you know, I haven't seen her in two and a half years. And, you know, what would I say to her if I saw her? And, um, hearing him say that about his dad made me realize that I do want to reconcile. And I actually, after hearing what they said in there about, you know, there's something that you need to say yes to right now. Um, i just texted my sister because i knew that if i wasn't going to do it now i'm never going to do it and i don't know what that looks like for us i don't but i've made that commitment to that first step that that's what i'm going to pursue no matter where it takes me
1: that's so brave i mean it it's gonna be messy (laughs) yeah it is but but that's uh, that there's so many things in our lives, this is a beautiful uh, example of it, that, that there's that first 10 to 20 seconds that are just awful. And they're, they're they're gonna be awful and you know it and they know it and you just have to sit with it for a bit because that, i mean initiating it with a text message is that's the first awful bit and then the first bit of it is listen I, I i need to talk to you about something and and here's here's what's in my head and here is um how what happened impacted me and it's going to be really awful and uncomfortable and you each will need to say your piece and then wherever it does get resolved like yeah. it will change in some way and maybe maybe you won't be like you know amazing close buddy buddy sisters and maybe you will and but you have no idea and so you go and you have that first awful 10 to 20 seconds right yeah. so it's, it's facing that fear right do you think it ever goes back to
0: the way it was no yeah so no you, i mean part of the process is figuring out what this new relationship is going to be right. right and i think yes. that
2: was part of our conversation last night too was um that that reconciliation means the relationships gets better but it's never the same it's always different yeah. and i think that reconciliation is different for for everyone how that relationship ends up because you know for my ex-husband like i had to face that and process that because we were divorced and i was like forced into grieving the loss of that relationship and dealing with that but my sister is like i could coexist and never talk to her again and probably be okay yeah so like making that decision to want to reconcile to her i have to take away all expectations of what i think that i want from that because i have no idea i have no idea how she's going to respond or if she can even meet me in that space yeah and that's really scary to be in that place like what chad was saying super uncomfortable and to like be okay with all of those uncomfortable feelings And then not knowing the outcome, like I don't have a guaranteed outcome. I can make a complete fool of myself and just, you know, the other part of this is that I, you know, I processed through stuff with my ex-husband a long time ago and I'm doing okay now. And so to like have to go back and dig up all this shit, there's a part of me that's just like, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. I don't want to go back to to crying in public. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't like that. So why are you? Because I know that, I know that this is the way forward. I know that if I can't face this and I can't deal with this, it's going to haunt me forever. You cannot just ignore pain. You cannot just box up a relationship, especially this kind. Your sister. Yeah, it it doesn't go away. It's there. It lives. And I heard somebody say this, that the things that you ignore, they go down to the basement of your soul and they lift weights. And like that really spoke to me because it's true. They don't just disappear. They don't just time doesn't heal everything like it will manifest in some way or another. So I'm I'm choosing to face it head on because I want more and I wanna get past this and I know it's gonna suck, but I'm committed to the process of overcoming it.
0: Good for you. It is awesome. How did you forgive?
1: I, I think, you know, having that that finality of it, of knowing that there was now a a, a, a clock set, you know, a, a timer set to the amount of time that I had the option to forgive uh, motivated. Right. It, it, it's the same thing. You know, it's this. How long had you gone but without a relationship? Uh, I mean, after. Like in my teen years, we went for years without talking. And then we kind of started talking a little bit on a very peripheral level. And then he, uh, at the last minute, backed out of my wedding and... Uh, uh, because I was gay and that that wasn't okay with him and so then that kind of re-triggered all of the old anger and hurt yeah so so then we didn't talk really again for another while um and then by the time he got his cancer diagnosis we were kind of back to that like I'll call you once a month and we'll we'll do the father-son thing that feels obligatory um but that's probably where we were and then when he got diagnosed it was really like well shit he was given six months he ended up living two and a half years but I said okay Okay, I've I've got six months, and and he's gonna die, and so it it just it it increased the like the intensity of my need to 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 either take action or to not take action, and so I I think of that now. I, I use that and also some of my near death experiences of if I knew that. I only had six months, how would I act differently today, right? Like, like, Alyssa, if, if, if you knew that your sister had the same diagnosis, how would you act differently? Or even maybe more poignant if you had that same diagnosis, how would you act differently, right? Because then you start to lose your fears. You're like, well, this is scary, but I've only got six months, so I don't, I don't have time to sit and pontificate about how awful and scary this is gonna be. I have to take action.
0: Why did you have, uh, I'm, I'm so curious about the forgiveness part for you because that, that, that's really, I, I can relate to your story so much. What, I haven't spoken to my dad in 10 years. I, no, no communication,
1: zero. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: don't know if I have the desire. I mean, I'm sure it's it's like the, the resentments, live, you know, down there we're lifting weights. I get that. But I feel like I've done so much therapy to be okay with not having it. Yeah. What was other than the expiration date? Like, was there any type of like yearning to like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get that a lot. And I I need to practice this because I, I don't have a great answer. I don't, I don't have an <laughs> elegant <laughs> eloquent question, yeah. but
0: I think you sense what I'm like.
1: I do. Yeah. So. I I'm, I'm a big believer if there's somebody in your life that is just purely genuinely toxic, get away from them. Like right? life is too short and it's not your job to fix that person.
0: I wonder about that with Elizabeth like I'm wondering about her sister and I'm thinking is the sister doing as much work as you're doing? Because that I bet makes me afraid for you. Because if she's not doing that, the work and see, you're doing all the work, this is not going to end well. No.
2: And see that that's also part of the reason that I that I haven't done anything so far. But at the same time, there's a part of me that, that feels that I'll never know how toxic she is until I give it a cheers. Yeah. Because I've not spoken to her at all. I, don't, I didn't even have her number. I had to ask my brother for her number. So that's how bad that is. I, and I won't know that until I actually take that step and see how she responds.
1: Well, and that, that, that's, that's the piece of it, right? Is, is y- you got to a point in your journey last night that you are like, I, I know deeply that it's right for me to reach out to her and right. that it may totally fall apart. You did but, your part regardless but, of how this was going to
2: And again, I think that a lot of the forgiveness like, I forgive for myself. So like, I, I, I'm doing this for me. So that I know that I did everything that I could to save our relationship. And if it never goes anywhere because of her, I can still sleep at night knowing that I tried and she's a toxic person and won't have a part of my life, or I get my sister back. Yeah. Either way, I win.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, with, with your situation, you haven't spoken to your dad in 10 years that maybe that's right for you. And that is that, but that's what I'm trying to figure out. That's yeah. what I'm like trying,
0: trying to come up with questions to ask you. Like,
1: yeah. So I, I think, I mean, it, it's a very self self, uh, reflective exercise of, you know, if there's a part of you that, that feels that you, you do need to, to, to put that olive branch out there or just to try, you know, but, um, then, then there's a process to doing that but if there's a, a you know a complete part of you that you just know that that is not that is not what you want that you is, know that dog's gonna bite you why are you gonna pet it yeah yeah
2: <laughs> did you ever you said you haven't spoken to him in 10 years before that did you ever have what was your relationship like with him it, before it that It was never good okay
0: it's never been good
2: so you don't have a lot of hope that it ever will be different like right. you said if you know the dog's gonna bite you why <laughs> right. why bother right
1: yeah yeah and it's tough to say i mean i I don't know your story at all but um i i guess on a fundamental level do you feel that your father has love for you no
2: no did you ever
1: Mm, when i was doing
0: something that made him look good in the eyes of other people
2: man i totally get that
0: then he was all about me that
2: was that was my dad yeah.
0: But just me and him, he he was not interested. Yeah. Does he know that that's your your feeling? Mm, he will now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Does he
2: listen to the podcast? I doubt it. Nah.
0: No. Um probably doesn't know what a podcast is. Um
1: no anyway so yeah I mean, I'm, I'm about to get into your brain right now so you, you better cut me watch this out. microphone so so and that's it and truly whatever your path is is that, that's your path and, and that and that's uh, something to be celebrated but but if if he truly has no love for you then then there, there's nothing there yeah but um and it's an impossible question because you don't know what's in his heart, right? That's, yeah, and I
0: can imagine. You know, I, I'm there are other people in my family that I'm that I'm close to, and they would they would tell you, oh, a, a, you know, a parent, how could they not have love for you? And I'm like.
1: Ah. If,
0: I don't know about that. I'm not a parent, so I don't know.
1: Yeah. So it as a as a thought experiment of what would that what would that coffee date look like if you were sitting across from your dad and you said those words? Listen, there's there's a story in my head, and we haven't spoken for ten years, but I deeply believe that you don't love me. And I deeply believe that the only time that you ever gave me approval was whenever I made you look good. And the reason why that story is in my head is because of the following. And then you can give him examples of the times where you felt that. And he might say, you're right, son, I, I have no love for you. And the only reason I liked you was because you made me look good. Or he might say a thousand other fucking things that you have no idea what's going on in his brain. But you sitting down at that coffee, you reaching out, you're gonna have to just take your soul out and stomp on it a couple of times because it's, it's gonna just be painful even to think about doing something like that. But you won't know what his response will be until he really knows where you're coming from. And that might be a good path for you. It might be a very toxic path for you. And if you've been, you say you've been through years of therapy to to try to get rid of all of that, you need to be prepared for, that's gonna trigger you a lot, Yeah, right? And that might be a really awesome, healthy thing that then gets you past, or it might be, well, now you're gonna pay your therapist for a few more years, because I just- Oh yeah, I'll, I'll never be out of therapy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love therapy too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just lost the thought. How much, so for both of you, how, how much do you blame them for what they did, um, for just like that in the moment, thing that happened versus you were only doing what you knew to do you were only doing what was done to you you were only doing what you were trained to do you were only doing as much as your upbringing taught you to do
2: well for me and my marriage i i cannot claim to have been the perfect wife like our relationship was toxic so i don't take blame for Um, the affair because i had no part in that but i also have to recognize the part that i played in our 10-year marriage that got us to the point where he was looking outside of our marriage anyways and so i guess the way that i feel about blaming is it gets me nowhere it doesn't resolve anything it doesn't make me feel better it doesn't bring any resolution to anything it doesn't make me happy so i feel like i don't waste my energy focusing on who to blame it's like what's done was done and what am i going to do about it yeah like it, the past is past is behind me like what am i going to do moving forward how am i going to overcome how am i going to change this in a way that like is positive and then i can actually do good and give back yeah and that's that's what i choose to focus on
1: okay. what about you chad yeah i mean i i think i mean what happened between my father and I is something that I could never justify. You know, it was it was a, a horrible, dark thing that happened. I've gotten to a place where I can understand the crisis Of life he was in at that time and that's not to make it okay but like he was in crisis so he also was gay and grew up very conservative and was taught his whole life that the right thing for men to do is to marry a woman and make babies right and that that is that was drilled into him from a very early age and so he he made that choice he did what he thought was best but it was a betrayal to his true self and they were together for almost 18 years and that led him to alcoholism and and the, just self-destruction because he, he was living a lie. And so it brought him down, but it brought his family down too. And so I, uh, of, of course it's a horrible thing, but I, I can at least kind of understand because I almost went down the same path. And so I I can understand that misery that he was in, but everybody answers for their own actions and their own mistakes, right? I've made, I made massive mistakes in my lifetime and I still have to answer for those, but I, I could sit back and say, well, the reason I did that is because that's what my dad taught me and that's what my life is. And that's just all I know. I could say that, but it's, it, that's just a lie. That's an excuse where perhaps I do have that, you know, this is a nature versus nurture. Maybe I do have uh, things in me that are representative of my, of my father and even his dark stuff, but also is good stuff but i can't go out and do something horrible and then just tell the world well that's what my dad did and that's what i was taught so it needs to be okay um but i can understand somebody who is life is just out of control and they they, they don't know what to do that they they take actions that would betray who they are deeply
0: yeah i didn't want to be the sad people but here oh, we are oh my god we're
1: so <laughs> sad we just said we, we were making fun of sad people <laughs>
0: We've heard about what you do. Chad, what is it, what what kind of work are you doing now?
1: Oh yeah, so uh, by training, I'm a physical therapist. And uh, and then, Uh, I started working as a PT and I really didn't like it. And so um, so I started a, a, a private practice. So I, I say I'm kind of an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, and now I have a practice and there's 14 people on payroll and they're the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Um, and so, so I do that. I also teach full time in academia. So um, the evil genius plan that I didn't know I was doing was... I, I meet these students and I, and I get to know them and I teach them and I learn about them for three years. They know I own a clinic. And so whenever they graduate, then they apply to work in my clinic and all is well with the world. Uh, my favorite part of that of what I do is for the first year, they go through a, a residency. And in that residency, uh, they learn clinical skills and how to be great clinicians and healers. But um, that's kind of the guise to get them in. Once they're there, what I actually do is I teach them how to be amazing people. and so. So we talk about their fears and like all this stuff, right? And I get into their heads and they invite me in and then I let them into my heads, which God bless them for surviving that. And, um, and so, so I, you know, kind of intuitively, I've been a, a, a performance coach for you know four years. Uh, I just didn't know that's what it was called until okay. a few months ago. Whenever I met now my mentor Brendan, yeah. Um, yeah. so really, what I am is a coach um, okay. and and help people just get out of their own damn way. And if people wanted to know more about you, where would they go to find out more? Nowhere. I'm not online anywhere. Or I'm just kidding. Um, it's <laughs> like this is
0: could a, a problem <laughs> for that. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah,
1: your PR person really should work hard. <laughs> um no so I'm, uh, I'm on all the social media things uh my handle is ask dr chad um okay. and so instagram is the one that i'm on the most because of the pretty pictures
0: mm. all right awesome yeah oh, pretty pictures, perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Alyssa, if moms want to know how to work with you
2: um they can also find me on instagram my my handle is um a-l-y-s-s-a um n-o-e-l turner
0: all right and i'll put that in the program notes for all of you that are driving down the freeway right now you can find uh contact information for both of these good people thank you both so much for taking time to do this thank you yeah thank you this is
1: a blast all right thanks so much